listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 547. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we begin our exploration of the Netflix speculative series, Black Mirror, which debuted way back in 2011, which was one year before Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, uh, Knee Fatalists, uh, got its start. Really? Yeah. I didn't look to see how old it was. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, of course, if you look into the series or, you know, you guys out there, if you've been watching it all along, each season, I think the, the longest seasons have maybe five or six episodes. And I think the first season maybe only had three or four. So you know, the first season has like three uh, season, I think season five and season six. I think the last two seasons have only had like three episodes so um you know as a a fan of black mirror you know i love it when they get a new season out but then like in one night i've watched it all uh next time maybe i'll portion out a little bit more instead of uh binging and gluttoning on it all at once yeah i and and just fast forwarding through the whole episode so you get to the conclusion you know what happened oh wait that was me um, so, uh, <laughs> anyway, before we get to what we're watching and all of that, uh, reminder, we typically record on Mondays. So any feedback's got to be in Sunday, 6 PM Eastern. If it's audio strict six minute time limit, I uh, want to thank our patrons. Uh, we really appreciate the, the support you give the podcast and to, uh, the two of us. Mm-hmm. All right. What are you watching? Well, I'm going to have a uh, culinary-themed uh, what I'm watching this week. Uh, the first one is The Kitchen, uh, which is about a young chef from the – no. It's, a, it's a, about a dystopian society um, that there's – you know, that the, the kitchen's a, a section of, I guess – is it London? It's been a couple of weeks since I've, I've watched it. Um, pretty sure it's London, and um, you know it's obviously impoverished, and uh, you know the we don't really see tons of like necessarily outside world, but we we see that the you know there is a a lot of um, repression and atrocities that take place for the residents of the kitchen, and it's uh, basically about a guy kind of meets this kid whose mother has just died. So he kind of takes the kid under his wing and it's, it's mostly about the relationship between those two, but it was kind of cool, you know, a uh, world building type movie. Uh, there's definitely a, um, you know, ambiguous ending to it that obviously I'm not going to get into, but um, I was, you know, like it was, a lot, to, you know. I don't, actually, I I have no idea like where what its history is or anything. Um, it just popped up on on my Netflix feed. <clears throat> I kept seeing articles on my phone telling me how great this, you know, one of the best sci-fi films on Netflix. So I went and watched it, and it was good. I liked it. Okay. Uh, so, like atrocities, like ketchup on steak. Those kind yeah. of atrocities yeah. or, okay. Stuff like that. Or putting U's inside of, of uh, words that are just supposed to end in O-R. Uh, things like that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the other one, the other, other culinary themed uh, show was Beef. Uh, another Netflix joint. Um, this one, not uh, genre at all. Um, it basically starts off with, well, it's about a beef between two people. Um, one of them is Stephen Young, who is in, um, you know, the walking dead and the lady that's in it. I feel like I've seen her before, but I'm not sure what, but anyway, so these two basically get in a road rage incident right from the jump, like right at the beginning of episode one, um, there's a horn, there's a finger, there's chasing, there's poor decisions being made, and it just kind of, as you can imagine, you know, sometimes 
there's two people who are dealing with a lot of stuff in their regular lives um, and who are pretty unhappy and dissatisfied with their their lives. Um, and it all comes out in this, and they channel kind of all that angst in this, uh, in, in this feud that they have. You know, it was very funny at moments. It, it's like kind of like a dark humor. Um, obviously, there are some, you know, pretty dark moments to go along with the humor itself. Uh, but overall, I really enjoyed it. Now, you know, I don't know if I'll go back and watch it again, but, you know, it was it was pretty darn good. Um, so, and it's a refreshing change from, you know, watching uh, genre stuff all the time to, to go watch about actual people in the actual real world. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, real-ish yeah. world. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, don't think, I don't think movies are real worlds. Yeah, relax, but yeah, you got it. So, yeah, all right. uh, that's I got. I'll, I'll, I got loads of other stuff, but I'll do it next week. Okay. All right, well, I'm still reading Agency, the second book in William Gibson's Jackpot series, and, and I'm enjoying it. And I would just say to anybody, if you enjoyed the peripheral world, you might want to give Agency a, a shot. That is, if you've got, you know, read the peripheral, I mean, you know, okay, could you go to Agency without reading the peripheral? Uh, <laughs> the peripheral? You got it, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you can, but I wouldn't recommend it. Um, my wife and I are still on Money Heist. We have three episodes to go. And dude, honestly, and, and again, we're retired, so we can do this. We've been staying up till like three. Just, <laughs> you know, we get, you know, we get yeah. to two o'clock and I, I'm always saying, all right, let's just go ahead and start this one, but I'm not going to watch the whole thing. Next thing you know, I watch the whole thing. It's three o'clock. So yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to finish it tonight. Yeah, and then, uh, like then I had to make a confession to my wife. But to be fair, and she was understanding, uh, before she started watching Money Heist and I had finished my, you know, uh, my journey through it very quickly, uh, I started watching Berlin, which... I know okay. you've seen mm-hmm. once she started money heist, I stopped Berlin. And again, I don't think if you've been listening to the podcast at all, you know what Wayne and I think about money heist. And if you're not watching it, I don't know what else to say. You need to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really it is, it is excellent. It is. It excellent. is Berlin is too. Berlin's so good too. Uh, it's a, it, if you, it is. I, I don't know. I mean, I like it. Berlin, I like his character, but you know, I know a lot of people will say, "Oh, Berlin's my favorite character in Money Heist." Eh, nah, he's not even in the top three or four for me. Yeah, but I love him. He, yeah, yeah, he's he's a fascinating character, and I think he is, he is. because he, he, it's it's great. It's like it's so much like Money Heist, but yet so different. Well, I guess it's not really because you know, at its core, I think Money well, Heist is really about the yeah, right, right. But, you know, Money Heist is about, like, the relationships, ultimately. Like, we care. I mean, these people are the robbers, right? We, we play cops and robbers. The robbers were the bad guys, right? So, and these, the people that we, you know, root for, as in any, you know, heist flick worth half its salt, obviously, the audience is going to to sympathize with with the, the robbers, right? The, the, the criminals and not the police. Um, though, even though it... You know, we do get some sympathy for the police as well and everything. But in, in, I, I forgot where I was going with the police. But just Berlin himself is such a, uh, you know, kind of unique character in there. Um, oh, that's what I say is that, you know, so what, you know, essentially I think the, the thing about especially Berlin and also about Molly Heist is, yeah, I mean, it's cool how they, you know, the, the plans they have and the tricks they pull and all the – you know, elaborate schemes and everything like that. And just what we love about flick shows, but you know, we wouldn't enjoy it half as much if we really didn't care about these characters. And I think, you know, Berlin gets in that with that. What Berlin is really about, I think ultimately it's about love. Um, and certainly that's a theme that really plays out through. It's a theme that played out through money heist to some degree. I think Berlin really kind of plays in that because Berlin is just like this guy who, uh, you know, he's like a, this crazy dreamer and, and he, he doesn't necessarily hundred percent live in the real world. And it's, uh, and even though when he's doing things like 
you know, chasing after another guy's wife, which, you know, I was watching one episode my wife was watching. She's like, oh, I don't like this. I'm like, well, yeah, I know it's not great. <laughs> He's pursuing another dude's wife, but I guess it's just not great. But for somehow, it's not so bad when he does it, you know, just things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, half the American population doesn't appear to have a problem with it, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's get to Black Mirror, which is the topic of discussion for the next 10 weeks, uh, if we calculated correctly, before Fallout begins. So, uh, and if you we know, didn't, we, we can just cut one. Exactly. We so, already have uh, one that we're debating about anyway. So, you know, Yeah. So uh, this one's titled USS Callister. It was episode one of season four, written by William Bridges. And the show's creator and co-showrunner, Charlie Brooker, who wrote a lot of the episodes, the the overwhelming majority, uh, directed by Toby Haynes, who directed three episodes of Doctor Who back, I think, around 2011 or 2012 or so. But he also directed six episodes of Andor. So, Really? um, Yep. And season four was released on December 29th. 2017 so i i guess the overwhelming theme that ties black mirror together and thanks to the little red lines under netflix episodes apparently i did watch uss callister though i didn't remember virtually anything from the episode and you know all the other episodes of season four did not have the red line under them so make of that what you will but but you know my understanding is that that the episodes, for the most part, are, are commentaries on technology and its impact on the human race and the yeah. human condition. That, and, that, that is definitely um, an underlying theme of pretty much every – I don't know. I'm, some, it's, they don't hammer it home as much as in other episodes, but it's certainly an underlying theme all around. Yeah, and, and while there certainly are other – sub themes within a particular episode at the heart is technology so right off the bat you're thinking well what am i watching a parody of star trek yeah kinda Uh i don't i don't know if parody is the exact right word but but certainly it does turn into a parody at first it seems like pretty straightforward star trek episode that we're used to until of course you know jimmy simpson bows down before him and kisses his hand and then the female characters come up to to make out with him you know like that's like wait (laughs) right and and i think we'd have to say the the obvious connection is to the original series even to the 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 point we get that four by three aspect ratio right in the opening scene though that isn't around for you know much more of the episode in fact i think that's pretty much it but but it sets the stage as we're introduced to the captain the crew even a con like villain i mean i mean did you get the same sense that that's oh, yeah, what they were for going sure. oh, for absolutely okay yeah, yeah, yeah. okay no doubt um, because he's got like the leather on and the the hair like ricardo montalban had back in the 60s so yeah for sure and at first like my first note was like Ah, uh, this episode's such a love letter to the original series. And then as it went on, I'm like, you know, maybe not. <laughs> like, I'm sure whoever wrote this actually does or did watch Star Trek when they were a kid and probably does enjoy it, but really ends up kind of, as you said, parodying it to the point of, oh, it's this isn't like a love letter at all. This is like they're just straight up mocking, uh, you know, skewering uh star trek and and all the 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 thing a lot of the things about it you know yeah that's what i was gonna say i'd even insert the word condemnation of the original Mm -hmm. series and and many of the things that they did and while you certainly can use the excuse that well that was 1967 68 69 times were different well yeah they were and certainly there was a lot that Star Trek, the original series, did to to hit on issues of the day, whether it was Vietnam or rights for different groups that, that were not enjoying rights. Um, so, you know, there, there was a lot there. But still, I think at this point, 
we have to consider that. But the other thing that I'm wondering about, is it condemning the fan base that holds Star Trek up on this pedestal? And and again, to be fair, as I've said a number of times during the, the course of the podcast, I, I really never got into Next Generation very much. So I would certainly suspect that, that gener- uh, you know, Next Generation and, and you know, the subsequent series clean things up quite a bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, if nothing else, that women and men wore, like, the same thing rather than, you know, the women going around in miniskirts and everything. Yeah, I, you know, I I definitely see some condemnation there for the original series, and as you said, like despite it being filmed and, and written in, in the late '60s, well, I mean, especially Gene Roddenberry purported, as you said, purported himself to be a pretty progressive individual, and they, you know, they they did do some things, and they had like a prominent uh, African American actor, and they had prominent Asian actor, and everything, so things that. You know, a lot of shows weren't doing that were really a lot of the shows at the time, which just were only white people and mostly white men, not even having really prominent female characters. You know, and, and to have female characters on there that were more than just sex objects. So, you know, the sex object part is obviously there. You can watch any episode. The, the, the figure of all the guest stars, uh, the female guest stars from week to week is a pretty consistent uh, dress size, I guess you could say. That being said, is it condemning the fan base? I, I don't I, I did take a note. I'm like, it kind of plays off of the stereotype that fans of Star Trek are socially backward or inept nerds, right? Um, and honestly, like if you're a nerd and you are in your, you know, like thirties or forties, like own that, man. Like own that shit. That's all I gotta say, because uh, that that word is such a doesn't really mean much when you get to be an adult. It's so hurtful when you're a teenager, right? But not much when you're an adult. But anyway, that being said, you know, so the stereotype is that the fans of Star Trek, right, are you know like just obsessed with the show. All they do is watch Star Trek. They can't talk to girls. They can't relate to other people. They can't stand up for themselves and things like that. And um, you know uh, what's Jesse Plemons' character, Bob Daly. Daly, right, is like the epitome of that that stereotype. Yeah, but, I mean the shelving unit with you know every episode right. on DVD, VHS, uh, whatever. Right, <laughs> you know, he's right. got the entire nerd out collection. Yeah. Now, of course, this is coming from a person who does have the entire original series on DVD, um, has all the movies on. Well. Blu-ray. Also, <laughs> says all the movies on Blu-ray as well. So you know, maybe am I? Do I? Do I sympathize with Bob Daly a little bit at first? Maybe I do have quite a few Star Wars Lego ships on the on a on the shelf below the TV too. Like that might be a thing. <laughs> so uh, so maybe I can uh, you know sympathize with the 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 nerdiness of the character. But I think it's it's for um, no, it's Alan from England who. Because you know, our our sympathy for Bob Daly doesn't last too long. No, it dissipates pretty darn quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and again, it, it certainly sounds like we're being a bit hypercritical of the original series, and and I mean, you know, we are criticizing to a certain extent. You mentioned having uh, an African American female as part of the executive crew. Star Trek is is credited with having the first interracial kiss on television and that was no small thing back in i believe was 1968 and and you know if you know anything about what's going on in america uh you know there there was a lot of tension in american cities virtually across the country so mini skirts aside kirk as this planetary womanizer yeah okay and and uh, I forget which Allen. I'm pretty sure it was one of the Allens. I've got it in my notes. You know, you know, points out the whole thing about Kirk as the womanizer versus Daly as the womanizer is that for the most part, the women that Kirk uh, 
goes after have free will. They can say no right. in that generally they say yes because, hey, it's Kirk. It's just but Kirk. Anyway. Uh, right. Right, right. I, well, that, that's, that's the thing. Once we once, – because at first we're like, oh, this is I, – I, I kind of remember the first time I saw this episode and I was like, oh, really? This is cool. Like, you know, they're, they're kind of like a Star Trek – uh, you know, parody episode. That's going to be cool. I, I'm, and then, and then of course, cuts to the real world. We're saying like, ah, oh, well, a little bit of a letdown there, maybe. Um, but like I said, we still do. We, you know, uh, daily. Bob Daly goes to work. Um, the the receptionist barely pays attention to him. The intern even kind of treats him disrespectfully. Certainly, his partner does. And this guy is in charge of this, but he's getting pushed around by his own employees and everything. Uh, so we probably do have some sympathy, but that pretty much goes out the window once we see what the real deal is. Because at first, like, I, I, I imagine the first time I saw this, I thought when we saw that all the people in this game are people in this real world, like, oh, well, he just created, you know, avatars that look and, and like the people that he knows – um, that he can go there and boss him around and everything. He may, feels a little bit better about himself. No harm, no foul. And then you find out it's actual the actual consciousness of the people that, as I think all of our contributors this week said, the outlandish uh, science behind, uh, you know, you can't just take DNA and get a person's consciousness through that. But, you know, but anyway, that, that being said, once we see what actually is going on, then – no, like no, no, no. We I, we that we do, do not have any kind of of sympathy for you at all, especially when you know he takes a berating from West. What, what's the what's Jimmy Simpson's character's name? Oh, um, Wal- Walton. Walton. You know, like he he take and he immediately logs in the game so he can go and choke him out in the game. You know, it's like, bro. Well, see, that's the thing. Is this at its heart, a story of revenge for the way that he's treated in his real life. I think certainly at one level, we'd have to say, yeah, but we've been talking the last couple minutes about, you know, about this character of daily and how he essentially bullies all of these people. And and we were certainly talking about Kirk in the original series being a womanizer, which he certainly was. We see a bit of that here when Daly kisses the female characters who have no agency right. in this universe. But what but do you make? As they of, said, there's no tongue, so it's not quite as bad. Well, right. But so, what do you make of that statement? There's no genitals in Space Fleet. This is a wholesome universe. Yeah. Now, on the one hand, as you said, it may be a comment on the male-dominated Star Trek universe. So is it like a comment that Daly is, as you pointed out a few minutes ago, the ultimate nerd to the point where he's really never had a relationship with a woman, let alone have sex with a woman or a man for that matter, but just that he's basically been celibate for whatever reason choice fear don't know well you see how awkward and like even when cole is you know taking her clothes off and jumping in the water he just doesn't know what to do at all like well granted how many of us actually do but still he's even more awkward and he gets fished in by it because he doesn't realize oh She's not really into me. She's just trying to get me to jump in the water for some. I don't know why, but you know, I don't want to go. I definitely should. She's trying to get me to do something for some reason. He shouldn't trust her in the first place. He knows, you know, she's already tried, you know, tried to to get out. Like, yeah, you know, like he just, you know, any celibacy probably is is not a choice on his part. I feel like. But he is just completely awkward around other people. And that's why he has this game, right? This is where he can be in charge. He can do whatever he wants. He can, you know, command and boss people around like he probably wants to in real life, but is unable to because he's so, like, he's just hindered by himself. Yeah. And and I think 
this is a game company. I think Fred brings it up in, in his feedback that, that there may be some confusion as to what exactly this company does. And, and I think there's certainly one game and it begins with an I and I can't find it in my notes. I forget what it is, but it is some sort of an online immersive universe that, that, you know, I guess people subscribe to and then log in and, and uh, virtual reality to a certain extent. But I, I guess what I also find fascinating as virtual reality becomes more and more commonplace, you know, I, I think there have been a lot of um, things written about it. There have been a lot of, um, I guess, TV episodes uh, centered around it that once we perfect virtual reality, what will be the, the, you know, the, the first real use of it? Sex in some form. Yeah. And I'm still a little surprised that Daly doesn't go there. Yeah, well, I, I actually like that. Well, well yeah. I mean, that like, I mean, I guess that's one redeeming thing about him is that he does it, right? Like, he could easily have done that. Right. They don't even have genitals. Right. Which is a, a just a, a totally humorous scene when, yeah. when, when that's pointed out to uh, uh, to Kristen Malati's character, uh, Annette. Um, who is kind of the the new employee, fangirl of the company, and and everything kind of centers around her character. I don't know if you know her. She was in a show called Made for Love with Ray Romano, which is uh, really this quirky kind of genre show where where she's uh, his daughter. I believe she's his daughter, <laughs> but uh, just you know, really kind of a quirky show. I'll just just leave yeah. it at that. She was good. She was she was she was great in this episode. Yeah, and and you know the character of Walton, who in real life is the CEO of the company, and it and it certainly appears that Daly is the tech genius of the company. Um, so you know whether this is something along the lines of yeah, I mean you know insert tech company of your choice. There's usually somebody that's the you know, the technical genius and then the other person has the head for the public guy. relations and, yeah. and business. Right. So that's certainly what it seems like here. You know, is daily perhaps, and admittedly, we only have a very small slice of his daily experience, but is he perhaps just reading the room incorrectly? Is he really being, mistreated that badly i mean man his office is pretty freaking cool i thought at at the at the company and and certainly his apartment uh, you know is is very cool um but here's a guy if he just had like the smallest shred of social ability would be like have chicks all over him probably you know like he's obviously very wealthy but he just is completely unable to talk to especially uh women right like every woman he interacts with he is um you know like what i can't oh was it uh shania or whatever who says like he just stares right but he's so he's just so so weird right that he probably if he could just you know work on his social graces a little bit more he wouldn't need this you know bubble pocket universe he's created Right, but he he really has, I, I think, a, a, a fairly low level of self esteem. He can't even tell his primary coder. I guess that's I can't think of the dude's name, but he should tell him no. December twenty fourth is too long. Do you whatever you need to do, make it as good as you can by yeah. this date. But you know, he but, wasn't even paying attention to the guy though. Right, like he, he didn't was, hear anything because he's worried about. Annette. Uh, Nanette being hit on by Walton, right? So that's – he's focused on that. So he doesn't even hear what the guy says. So he's basically, you know, not great at his job either, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, the other thing I find fascinating, we just have come from a show built around a time loop, and then we get into to this situation, and, you know, as we said, the, these these – individuals have been cloned their bodies as well as their consciousness albeit in digital form they're all aware of what's going on and and you know the the one dude is like 
I'm still an intern out there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we don't know how long they've been in here, whether they have a sense of time or scale of, of any. Right. You know, I think they can any... only measure it in, you know, when does, you know, daily come back. Right. Yeah. But uh, we are in a bubble universe ruled by an asshole God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and of course, I guess you could argue that the, that the role reversal you know, is perhaps warranted because we see Walton as an asshole in real life. But then when we compare him to the daily in this universe, he doesn't seem so bad in real life. I mean, he's a bit of a dick for sure, but yeah, well, what we get, you know, when, especially like when everyone's like, all right, I'm in, let's, we're going to try to escape. He's like, uh, no. And at first, like, oh, well, this is just him being an asshole, but it's no, it's, he's got a really good reason not to want to try and, and uh, test daily here, right? Like he doesn't want to see his son get thrown out of the airlock again. Right. Um, it's traumatic enough the first time. Um, and so, so much shaking him that he is completely cowed, right? Like, like he's the first person in that first scene to, to run up and, and, you know, and bow and kneel before daily and kiss his hand and stuff like that. Like that fawning behavior that um, seems really, extreme but again when we hear why then we get it right and and of course they're all horrified at annette's conduct when she first gets there because from experience they know that daily might take it out on them and what she does right cole slaps him and it's almost like he doesn't know what to do so he exits the game what does the crew do immediately heads for the alcohol yeah Again, which is hilarious. Right. Right. So, you know, Annette, and it's going back to Star Trek, the original series, where, yes, we have women in positions of some authority, like Uhura, but not a lot. I mean, she's certainly not one of the triumvirate that, that makes all the important decisions. So here, it's Annette who kind of takes control. She's convinced that there's got to be a way to connect to the real world and break this cycle. And I'm thinking like, ah, you're going to break the loop, which, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'm, I'm, you know, into this now she gets into a system. She wants to leave a message. Somebody so she sends an SOS to herself. Help many people trapped inside infinity on daily's computer contact cyber police. Now you might say, well, okay. Yeah. Back in the real world. And <laughs> when you get that kind of message, like you're not going to be Oh my goodness! Someone's in, in in needs assistance, right? So, you know, you know, it's like again going back to uh, to bodies. I'm actually from the future, and I'm here to try and stop him from. Okay, stop there. Yeah. Future time? No. Yeah, Just it's eighteen ninety. Leave me dude. alone. I'm going to go over yeah. here. You stay over there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, and that's when. She real then that realizes that all right, in order to get me to do what we want, yes, <laughs> you know, we gotta go. We we can't just ask through some cryptic message. We need we gotta something. go big. We gotta go big. And the big they do. Yeah, and, and and again, how funny that the way to get Annette real life's attention is to threaten to make public compromising pictures of herself that she's got on her phone yeah so which is um, um i mean we're going to see that in, another, in one of the episodes that we're going to do uh shut up and dance with the central concept is um a person making people do something because or threatening to release um secrets that they've done, you know uncovered on the internet from people yeah. so yeah and see even leave me in i can i can make a money heist connection right from uh yeah part one with yep. the uh uh you know the young teenage uh hostage and you know her her quest amidst <laughs> all of the stuff that's going on is she wants to go and delete the picture that some asshole took of her uh you know again against her yeah well um but anyway so annette notices this fact that there's an update patch that's going to pre-install itself and it's like okay there's going to be a wormhole and that's how they're going to get out of, you know, this universe that they're in. 
let's fly into the wormhole and we'll free ourselves from daily. Okay, theoretically, uh, whatever. Okay, sounds good to me. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but, well, uh, we just got done body, so we're used to just being like, yeah. all right, <laughs> I'll suspend my disbelief. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, and, and then you mentioned daily copying Walton's son so he can throw him out the airlock. And again, we've got a similar situation in Money Heist. Uh, yeah. But, uh, all right, I got to stop or I'm going to start dropping spoilers left and right. But I can't help it. I mean, every, every, yeah. you know what? Every, everywhere I look, I see money heist. So, all right. And that'll be yeah. it for this podcast. Cause, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I remember that, though. I, re- I remember being like, when I was watching it, how like it just kind of consumed me for, uh, for a while there. Yeah, I was trying to think when we started. I mean, last week, my wife and I were watching it. So it's probably going to take us a good. 10 days to have seen um all five parts i think there's like 41 episodes something like that and and oh my god you just think i need more and okay fine we got berlin but anyways (laughs) back back to uh black mirror um well just when they were going through her pictures like there's a a great line there i believe uh walton's character says it like your entire gallery would be shared with your friends and family and pornhub (laughs) (laughs) yeah Not that we know what that is. Yeah, I, I assume it's. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so they're going to fly into this black hole if they can, and of course, and of course, the plan you know it, that you alluded to earlier when she gets him to beam down to the planet's surface to investigate a crashed uh, module, and it's just the two of them. You know, she you know takes off her uniform down to her underwear goes in the water and all that but but it's all so that you know she can get access to the computer which you know she does via the omnicorder yeah exactly um this is funny because in star trek it's like a tricorder right what what does that mean tricorder what three things is it do but now it's just the omnicorder right just does everything Yep. And, you know, we, we've seen Walton in real life as, as you know, really kind of a bully. Uh, you know, here we see him, as you said, he, he's just totally subservient. So in the end, he sacrifices himself, gets the ship back online, and, and of course, they make it through. Um, Again, another original, uh, not original, but, you know, the movie from, you know, the rap, you know, well, Oh, I it's a spoiler that we say at the end of Rathacon, what Spock does. I don't know. But oh, see, not, just, I thought is, you were going there, money heist. <laughs> no. <laughs> there are sacrifices in money heist as well. But yes. um, they're also in, in uh, Star Trek. So anyway, so they get through. They find out they're still alive, but no longer on Daly's computer. And, and, and again, you, you we said th- this is a game company. Infinity is this this online immersive experience. But what we're seeing here, this is kind of Daly's little side project. You know, the general public doesn't obviously have access to this. Well, they, so they had whether to the game, it's just he has, um, he, he's I can't remember what they call it, but he's he's has his own version yeah, of the game. Right, exactly. So, um, so they're now in the cloud. They they surmise. Daly is stuck in his sim. So the question is, I guess we get to the end. What's Daly's fate? You know, and and I don't mean his character in the universe. The the Daly that's uh, back in his apartment with a right. little disc on his, you know, where he appears yeah. to be dead. I, I don't think we get an answer. So is well, the Al- I- Alan from Minnesota apparently read. Um, an interview with Charlie Booker, and Charlie Booker said that he starves to death. Yeah, which, you know, I've made my feelings clear about that with showrunners. Shut the hell up. Yeah. <laughs> Can't you let your work stand on its... Right. Do, do you, I mean... Anyway, so, I, I mean, the well, way I... know, I've, it's not like... Well, you know, I would say it's not like they're going to revisit it, but actually... I've read that USS Callister is going to become the first Black Mirror spinoff. Oh, okay. So a lot well, of those questions that Alan from England was asking at the end, I think we might, you know, those are questions that might be addressed in the uh, in, in this new uh, series that they're making about 
the continuing adventures of the people in the show. See, I mean, I looked at that, that final scene with him in his apartment as either a, he's dead, which I didn't figure he was, but rather he was in, I don't know what to call it, a coma, uh, some sort of state, you know, in which his brain stopped working or whatever, and that he was just not going to come out of it unless somebody came to his apartment and we don't get the sense that he has any right, friends. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're the worried. pizza guy, but he's not coming back there. So. Yeah, no kidding. No tip, man. Yeah. Uh, so re- regardless of that, and then the, the real ending, we see there's another ship in this new universe, asks them if they've got anything to trade. Annette assumes the captain's chair, and then they just warp out. And yeah, again, if there is going to be this show, as you say, is it going to be the crew minus daily? That would be cool. Yeah. And well, know, I think what, yeah, what, there, there's there's a lot that they could obviously do with this as as far as launching off from this. Uh, and I, I can see why this is the show that they would pick for a spinoff because um, you know clearly there's a lot of places they could go with this, whereas most of the other shows, even if at the end uh, the characters are still alive and not scarred for life, you know the the story is pretty much resolved. And you know, so but right, in this and, one, and so even though Walton dies in this simulation, he's alive in real life, and and daily, look, they can go anywhere. Well, I he's mean, even it, back in the simulation though, because he comes back at the end, right? But with his penis too. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, all right. Anything else about this one? Um, well, the, um, you know, like, like I said, the, also the, the idea of, um, you know, your consciousness and, and not see a lot of times, right. You, in the, when we see people whose consciousness has been transferred to a different reality or a different, um, simulation or something like that, they're not like aware. Right. So this is, kind of unique, I think, from what I've seen, is where the people who are in the simulation are aware that it is a simulation. Um, right. And that they're, you know, back in real life and they wonder what it is they're doing. Like the one guy says, I'm still an intern out right, there. Right, right, right. Which was, that was a great line. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of things also that are associated with that. First of all, um, I have been watching, I actually watched Devs and, you know, the part where you said how, you know, oh, the first thing people are going to do when they come up with something like this is going to be sex related. Um, and we see that in devs, right? They, they, they create this incredible technological wonder. And, uh, you know, the, the two guys are, are sitting there watching, uh, Marilyn Monroe and, and Arthur Miller have sex and everything. So in addition, right, is the idea that one, and you had said something like, you know, what happens when we create an AI that this, that this good or we create a virtual reality that's indistinguishable from reality. Well, then that's probably proof that what we're in right now is a simulation. Like if it can be done, that's probably explains everything that's happening and all of our world and our reality and everything um, can might maybe be explained that way. Now, all the scientific-minded people out there might be slapping their heads right now and saying, "Wait, you're an idiot. hey, I'm just saying it's just it's just a fun theory to kick out there." So, um, so yeah, uh, I think that red pill, blue pill, right, right, exactly. Oh, uh, one other thing is well, first of all, yeah, we got um, Alan from Minnesota. Well, I'll talk about with, with his about the Aaron Paul uh, cameo. Okay. Um, Jesse Plemons. I remember the first time I watched this. I was probably spent the first five minutes of the show, you know, on my phone. Is Matt Damon in Black Mirror? Because <laughs> um, Jesse Plemons sometimes does bear uh, his his voice and his eyes. I think are very similar to Matt Damon. Um, he's a little bit bigger than Matt Damon, but uh, obviously he he is not. Though I think they were. I believe Jesse Plemons was in. Was he in the? I can't. Remember, he was in a Scorsese film. I can't remember for, if it was The Irishman. I think it was might might have been The Irishman, or it might have been The Departed. If he's in The Departed, he was actually in a movie with Matt Damon. But I think it actually was The Irishman that he was in. But he's a pretty good actor. I like Jesse Plemons a lot. I mean, there's some fantastic lines in here. Just effing go, right? Like all the the lines, or actually, it's actually Alfred England that says it. 
um, you know, each Star Trek captain has their own, like, you know, hit it or engage or whatever. You know, they have their own Make way it so. Of saying, make it so, right. And she's just like, just fucking go. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was awesome. Like, the next Star Trek captain, that needs to be their, their line. We do play with that on Strange New Worlds where, like, I'm pretty sure it's Strange New Worlds, right, where they kind of, the first time, everyone kind of turns around to look at Pike, like, what are you going to say, bro? You know, and everything. So, or maybe it's Discovery. I'm having trouble remembering tonight. Sorry, man. <laughs> but, you know, there's, you know they, they kind of have a um, meta um, aspect of, of you know, re- reference to that. Yeah, stealing my pussy is a red fire. I feel like if I keep saying these lines that we're not going to get, our, we might get a mature slapping, slap with a mature label on this one. But, you know, um, you know, Seeing my pee is a red effing line, uh, she says there. That that, that was great. And, and you know when they are, you know when they escape through the wormhole on the other side, uh, when the the one guy kind of pulls out his pants and looks down there to check and see, and apparently everything's back where it's supposed to be. So good for them. Uh, might be it for me. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to listener feedback, and we'll be right back. Hello to Dave Wayne and everyone at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Alan from England here with feedback about Black Mirror USS Callister. But what else I'm watching? Uh, We just started watching La Brea. I describe it as manifest or lost meets the outer range. I'm enjoying it so far, despite the various uh, plot holes. Of course, the entire plot is a hole. I thought there was going to be some more build-up in episode one, but no, about one minute in, there's the massive hole, and then the story begins. USS Callister. I've seen all the Black Mirror episodes, I think, but always happy for a rewatch. I did like the opening. Very, very Star Trek original uh, season. Initially, we have some sympathy for the unappreciated daily, but that doesn't last too long. And of course, his real-life boss is Walton, the one he treats the worst in the game. Now, Fred is literally the expert in this field, but I'm pretty sure you can't get a person's current memories or consciousness from DNA. And even if you could do some kind of brain scan, like in the very good series Upload, we then have the question about whether simulated consciousness or thinking is actual self-awareness, which I don't think it does. However, Putting these issues aside, which I then did, I thoroughly enjoyed all the rest of it anyway. I did like the touch about how the lights and colouring was dimmed until Daily reappears. It was funny how they beamed down to that planet and then reported that the atmosphere was breathable, but I thought that was all part of the game rather than a flaw mistake. I tell you, that uh, Arachnajax sure beats any of the 1960s monsters. I did like the interaction between the people in the game and then their real counterparts. There was a definite heist feel to that element of the story. Our last shred of sympathy for Daly exits fast, like someone thrown out of an airlock. And then a classic. Engage, thrust, it just effing go. That was classic. There's always such a thing made in Star Trek about what each particular captain is going to use as their kind of signature command to jump into space. I thought then they were going to steal Daly's DNA as we kept seeing him uh, sip from those drinks, but of course they were really there just to retrieve their own. Then I guess Daly ended up stuck in the game forever, and I wondered if the real people ever got to know anything about what had happened. As for the people in the game at the end, time for me to boldly go. Take care, Alan from England. Hello Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with my audio feedback number 313 for the Black Mirror episode The USS Callisto, Season 4, Episode 1. What am I watching? Well, better, what am I not watching anymore? That's Sleepy Hollows. It was just too much the same. Did I watch Black Mirror before? The answer is no and yes. 
I only watched two episodes, and that is season three, episode two, with Hannah John Cameron, who has a lead role in Killjoys, and season two, episode one, with Haley Atwell, who is, of course, Agent Carter in the Marvel Universe. Before this episode, the USS Callisto, I watched the whole first season, so three episodes, the National Anthem, 15 Million Merits, and the entire history of you. I already gave some feedback about this first season on the Facebook page. I have to say I can't be enthusiastic about that first season. I think I don't like the general Black Mirror atmosphere so far. I think I perhaps identify too much with the characters and feel their anxiety and mainly frustration. Like being forced as Prime Minister to copulate with a pig, or being captive in a brave new world like society, but then actually even worse, or being the victim of that everything you do is recorded and available to you, but also others force you to share it. These three season one episodes have one thing in common. In all three there are people that are forced to do certain things or are a kind of underdog and are under the power of somebody else or under the power of a technology. And exactly that we see back in this episode of season four, the USS Callisto. So if this happened in season one and also is recognizable in a season four premiere, I'm very worried about the rest of the series. And if this will be the premise of all of the episodes. That Robert Daly is of course on one hand a nerd, partly a bright nerd obviously, because he created this code for infinity. I really wonder what that infinity is. Is it a game or is it some other kind of program? In the beginning of the episode, after the Star Trek-like opening, you see that he comes into the office and you see all kinds of people laying there with their eyes turned white. Are they testers or something like that? But if it's a game, he obviously created another game at home, Space Fleet, where he really is not only the nerd, but also a terrible bully. And I really wonder if he became like that because he's treated in the real world as a nerd who is obviously the focus of some teasing in the company. Or is this just his character? Is what he does in the game Space Fleet at home a kind of revenge? Sometimes I get a little tired that everything goes through DNA. Well, I shouldn't say that as a geneticist, but... On the other hand, why not a neural scan or something like that? Why DNA again? The references to Star Trek, the original series, are of course great. Uh, also with a wink-wink towards DOS. I think the makers create a nice 60s feeling. Not only cinematography, but also music and sound effects. Although including the misogynist feeling, uh, which I don't like that much. Kissing uh, all the female characters is of course a joke and referring to Captain Kirk, who was always kissing all kinds of ladies. But that was more out of kind of free will, whereas here it's kind of violent. Also the way Nanette can distract him is in that corner of thinking. I'm not left with a positive feeling at the end of the episode and that's actually true and perhaps even more for that first three episodes of season one. But yeah, it's not called Black Mirror for nothing, so it are black stories. Looking up the actor who plays Robert Daly, the actor is uh, Jesse Plemons, I found that there is a very recent new series with him where he plays with Elizabeth Olsen, who we, of course, know as Wanda Maximoff from Avengers and Captain America, and, of course, WandaVision, of which this miniseries also has something, at least the atmosphere of the late 60s to the 80s. So I watched the first episode. I'm not sure about what I think about it. 
The IMDb summary is two church-going couples enjoy small-town family life in Texas until somebody picks up an axe. I will let you know if I will watch beyond the premiere of that miniseries. It's called Love and Death. With, by the way, Kristen Ritter, who is the lead in the new Orphan Black series, Orphan Black Echoes. Okay, that will be all. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. This is Alan from Minnesota. Before getting into USS Callister, I'll just quickly note that I haven't started any new series recently, but I'm still enjoying Scavenger's Reign on Max and Mrs. Davis on Peacock, although they are vastly different from each other, showing the broad range of what falls under the general umbrella of sci-fi. I'm also currently reading the John Scalzi novel Red Shirts, which I won't spoil, but which definitely has some conceptual elements in common with this episode. I highly recommend that book to anyone listening who hasn't already read it. I'm just guessing Fred will note that biological cloning does not replicate someone's consciousness, but only creates an identical twin who is years younger than its twin, and who develops just as slowly as any other human being. Still, the concept of creating a digital replica of someone's consciousness is a rich vein of storytelling. It's just slightly unfortunate that in this episode they do it simply and quite implausibly via DNA from a coffee cup. If you don't know the science, that does make it rather scary, but for the scientifically minded among us, they should have stuck with the scenario in the original draft, which employed the grain from the entire history of you to explain how people's consciousnesses were moved over to the virtual realm. Brooker apparently killed that detail because he felt it was getting too much into the weeds, but I'm sure I speak for a lot of science fiction fans that we appreciate that sort of thing. I believe the concept of creating a sentient identical copy of someone's someone's consciousness that continues to operate independently without connection to the original was first explored in this series in White Christmas to extremely chilling effect. It's interesting to pay attention to the little background hints in various episodes that indicate that over time, digital copies were granted human rights, as I believe they should have. Whether they had been elevated to this status as of the events in this episode is unclear, given the clandestine nature of this particular form of copying. It was so clever to blackmail and manipulate Kristen Milioti's character with her own nude pics. According to Brooker, the Jesse Plemons character dies of starvation, yikes, but couldn't happen to a nicer guy. This is one of Aaron Paul's two appearances on Black Mirror, although I don't think there's any way to twist this into being the same character as the astronaut in the later episode. Paul actually accepted the cameo only on the condition that he would still be able to take a more prominent role in a later episode. This was also the very first Netflix episode of the series, And although people were wringing their hands at the time, I would say the partnership has turned out very well. All right, so we'll start with Alan in England. Uh, Alan, glad you started La Brea. I kind of have a love-meh relationship with La Brea, (laughs) but I'm two seasons in, so I'm going to finish the third and final season. Is that like a lot like Primeval? I mean, I've never seen it, but it looks like it's kind of like Primeval. Well, yeah, kind of, except in Primeval, they want to kind of prevent you know, right. The monsters, right. They're trying to keep the dinosaurs from not coming through right here. They've just fallen into this sinkhole that takes them, you know, to, you know, like 10,000 BC or, Oh, so they go back in time. Right. And, Uh. and they're trying to figure out a way to get home. And, and there's also people, you know, in the, the present that, that understand what's going on. So, you know, gotcha. So not really like primeval. Right. So the third season's about four episodes in. Um, I've been recording them, started it, but got sidetracked. So, um, you know, I'll come back to it. What else about Alan? Um, yeah, you know, I, I like, you know, again, I said before, I'm, I'm, I have read that this show's going to be spinoff. So hopefully that will address your your questions there at the end. Um, I also love the opening of this. And, you know, again, I have to admit, the first time I watched it was probably disappointed when it actually goes to the real world rather than being all a star trek kind of themed episode and that was a nice send-off there alan as well so now fred makes an interesting observation 
about the viewer really feeling kind of the same tensions as the characters. And, you know, it's as Fred points out, it's not called Black Mirror for nothing, that, right. that it is very dark. And, and this isn't even one of the darker episodes no, from this what is, I understand. This and, is like uh, a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Christmas episode compared yeah. to some of the other ones we're going to cover. So uh, I apologize in advance, Fred. There's gonna, if, if, if this one disturbed you, then uh, some of the other ones we're going to watch are, are going to be really upsetting. Yeah, and, and you know, as he points out, Daly becoming a bully – probably because he was bullied himself doesn't justify it but uh and no. then again I, th- I think i mentioned fred pointing out about the the free will and and that's kind of the difference with daily kissing the women you know they they have no free will if they right. resist they are turned into a monster yeah so. yeah and you know the the quote-unquote bullying that we see i mean obviously walton that was like legit right but a lot of the other stuff we're seeing it through the lens of his perceptions. And, you know, if he's a person that has pretty low self-concept as it is, you know, he's everything he sees people talking to one another, people ignoring him, uh, stuff like that. You know, we're, we're all getting it through his perception of the world. And so it's not necessarily reality, right? Right. Especially right. for someone who's obviously so, poor at, at picking up on, on human communication cues as it is. Now, Alan in Minnesota, you had, had mentioned to me that his feedback gets pretty technical. And, and you know, I, as I suggested, I think Alan in Minnesota's feedback was almost more directed towards Fred, who uh, obviously, again, if you've been around the podcast for a while, you know, Fred has a background in genetics. He, he is a, a doctor of genetics. Right. Fred has his PhD, I believe. Right? I, I think, yeah. I think we know that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as Alan points out, yeah, okay, fine. Digital cloning. It's just that, you know, that we're not, we're not, or, or I'm sorry, in, in real life, we certainly can clone, but the yeah. consciousness doesn't come along. Well, with it. I think he had a good point, like that Charlie Brooker had considered other options, but, you know, I mean, this episode clocked in at like an hour 15 as it was oh yeah um, you know what dude i was gonna point that out you, you freaking movie i mean you, <laughs> anyway but go ahead well that's what for for that that one episode that i'm thinking of dave i'm trying to i think i'll go with the shorter uh version but anyway so in order for to for them to like explain like the the you know how he's getting there you know and everything or for it's it's just so much easier like narratively for him just to steal a cup out of the trash, right? Um, it doesn't take any time at all. And for like the not really science-minded people like me, um, we just kind of accept it. Like, all right, I, I get it. I mean, I, I did say that seems pretty far-fetched. I don't think you could get a person's whole consciousness just from the DNA they leave on the coffee cup. But on the other hand, then I accept it because I'm like, well – there's other things going on in the episode. Like, let's move on, right? Um, but though Alan is right that as science fiction fans, we do appreciate being treated like smart people, right? Well, as I've mentioned many times, my wife would say to me, wait a minute, so you're okay with time travel, yeah, but you have a problem with this DNA thing. Okay. Right, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Got it. Good point. Yeah, yeah, we, we did just, but we, uh, we did, you know, criticize the time travel. Element. I know, I know. But, but yeah, you know, we talked about it as if time travel is actually a possible thing, right? And that's, yeah. So. yeah. All right, uh, anything else about? Well, just, any, yeah, one any, thing, like he did mention yeah. the, uh, so when Alan starts talking about Aaron Paul, I'm like, Aaron Paul, where was Aaron Paul? I didn't see oh, Aaron yeah. Paul in this, man. And I realized he was the, the gamer at the end, the voice of the gamer at the end was Aaron Paul's voice, which I, I didn't recognize. Now I feel like I need to go back and watch it again just to hear that. But that was really funny, uh, you know, the end there. Because, you know, you know, as, as I think Alan said, that they wanted, or maybe I had read it after I listened to Alan's feedback. Charlie Brooker wanted to have a voice that was not, like, too nerdy and not disrespectful to gamers, right? Uh, so I think they, they struck the right chord there with Aaron Paul at the end. All right. Well, you want to leave it there? 
yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, now we're going to assign a grade uh, on this one. I mean, I can give it an A plus, Dave. Okay. Well, okay. Wait, should I? No, 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 no. A plus is for International Assassin. Okay, so we'll just I'm, go I'm, with an I'm A. I'm dialing back. I'll give it an A. Um, yeah. It was really good, I, and and I wanted to do it first because, like I said, I know we're both fans of Star Trek: The Original Series. Um, we do not have clone consciousness of anyone in our hard drive anywhere. Um, at least I don't. I don't know about you, Dave. But, uh, <laughs> but I knew that we were both fans of, of the Star Trek original series, and I thought that would be a good jumping off point. Also, it's not as dark as some of the other episodes that we're going to to watch. There's some, some of these episodes you're going to be kind of shaking a little bit at the end, I will admit. All right, well, let's go ahead and leave it there. Um, that'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Black Mirror, anything going on in your genre TV world or film world for that matter. Check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about the Black Mirror episode Nosedive. But until then... So there was a part of, of Alan from Minnesota's feedback that we, we didn't um, play. And I felt like it was important. I felt like it really was a pretty important thought. Um, and I think it was about, like, you know, this idea of the, the goal of sci-fi, of treating their audience like intelligent people and not dumbing it down like they kind of did with the DNA thing. And Alan said, is a goal for us to strive for, for the betterment of the universe? for the betterment of life itself. And you assholes are trying to fuck it up. <laughs>